This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. being overawed me I think we've just got to go out by all means enjoy it but enjoy it by being fucking disciplined here Episode 154 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott, and we've got a full complement of elite performance consultants tonight as I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you? Very well, thank you. For this evening, I've decided to go for an old speckled hen, an English pale ale, the uh, common sense beer for the Common Sense Football Club. And it's a welcome return for Graham Steele. Graham, how are you, mate? Fine, thanks. I'd just like to say what people don't know is Gary plays that Warnock clip every week just to get us motivated, but now it's actually real. Indeed, a slightly more um, regularly structured show this week. We're going to take a look over the 1-1 draw with Celtic on Saturday. We'll check in with the Quines after their Scottish Cup tie. The Spartans, we'll check in with our loanies and loan watch, and then after the break, we will turn our attention to our second visit of the season to Govan on Tuesday night. But... Gents, I guess before we get onto the main part of the show, um, we're recording this on Sunday evening. It's becoming more and more apparent now that the Dons are likely to appoint Neil Warnock on an interim basis at the end of the season. So uh, with all the indications we have at the moment, and because I frankly cannot be arsed doing another episode tomorrow about this, let's just take it as read that this is happening. <laughs> um, the club obviously looking to buy time to see the results of the aforementioned root and branch review that is underway and has been uh, underway for a little while now apparently as well looking across our entire football operation so it looks like we're gonna have to enjoy it but enjoy it by being fucking disciplined gents your initial thoughts tonight about the impending appointment of neil warnock or colin wanker to the dawn's hot seat grim i just don't get it (laughs) I just don't get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like a lot of other clips and all that, and it's funny when it's someone else. But I just don't. I just don't get it. 
I don't see how that fits at all with anything that we're supposed to be trying to achieve as a club. Um, that being said, obviously, if he gets us going, I'll be quite happy with that. But I just, I don't know, it's a strange one in my humble opinion. I mean, you're saying that when we said we wanted to be a top 100 UEFA club, we never specified what that top 100 was. Maybe we're aiming to be the top 100 banter club. Well, yeah, and I guess when you think Neil Warnock, you do think football mastery. So maybe it's me that's silly. Gav, your initial thoughts tonight? If you told me three seasons ago when Aberdeen, Dave Cormack, Steve Gunn put out that presentation about what the club was going to become, our ambitions, the style of football, uh, the quote-unquote progressive modern approach to the structure of the football club, and then three years later you tell me that we're going to hire 75-year-old Neil Warnock to uh, steady the ship in the meantime. I would have found that very difficult to believe, but um, here we are. <laughs> I mean, here we are. An eagle-eyed member of the Don Supporting Public have spotted him at Aberdeen Airport on Sunday evening, so he's here. It's happening. And um, yeah, he's got a trolley think, bar, um, a trolley bag, and the man bag. Who says yeah. he's a dinosaur? Yeah, evolution. That's what it is. It's not a mystery. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited. Is definitely not the right word. I'm intrigued, and for one thing, it's gonna be entertaining at the very least. I, I mean, on one hand, Graham, I know you're saying you just don't get it. On one hand, does it perhaps make a little bit of sense? here just in the sense of where we're at at the moment as a club um trying i guess to find a manager who is willing only to take the job for a short period is always going to be difficult uh with you know not wanting to guarantee that they're going to get the job long term so hopefully this does maybe allow us to facilitate that review that's going on hopefully we see change perhaps above the manager as well and then that might be the best way forward because hopefully we can then see change above the manager. We might then be in a position to appoint a manager who actually fits with a, you know, a particular philosophy and a particular structure and strategy that the club's trying to embark on. At least it's not us appointing another manager in a real scattergun approach with no real clue about how it actually mirrors up to this strategy. Well, it's, that's exactly what they're doing. They just <laughs> haven't appointed him. He's just supposedly going to be the interim. It's just perfect appointment because it just shows that nobody has no any idea my two cents here is I was listening to Sports Island earlier today and they were talking about this. And I do think in a way there's a manage of convenience going on here. Um, Neil Warnock in the last few years has been very vocal about his admiration for Scottish football and wanting to work within this league. Uh, mentioning Aberdeen by name, uh, applied for the job once upon a time and was ignored, but still had the appetite. Um, I think if he doesn't come away with those kind of podcast interviews, probably don't consider him. So in a sense, there is, you can maybe call it a little bit of laziness, but one thing is that he is, a, he's got a wealth of experience. Um, he's shown in recent years with the work he did at Rotherham and Huddersfield that he's got the ability to go in and turn a club around in a, a very short space of time. And for my money, we're not in the kind of position those clubs were in. Um, I don't think we need to do much. I think someone she's come in, make us a little bit more difficult to score against, give the players a little bit more belief. And there are still things you know, that are achievable. Um, if we win those two games in hand, we're talking about two points behind Kilmarnock and fourth. The Scottish Cup is still there. So there's things that we can still achieve, uh, which are important for us going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I do entirely get Graham's perspective of like why this is maybe not the most inspiring of appointments. Yeah, I mean, it's 
as as appointments go, it's perhaps not the most inspiring from a, a footballing perspective. It's fair to say. I mean, Gav, you've just touched on there about you know some of uh, Warnock's kind of more recent comments, you know, about always wanting to manage in Scotland and so on and so forth. Within those as well, quite a lot of fandom going on there about his um, admiration for a particular club and govern as well. Um, any particular concerns around that? I think if there's one thing that you can say about Neil Warnock is that he is a, a very competitive individual. And if he gets the Aberdeen job, I'm sure he'll take it 100%. And he would, I'm sure, absolutely love to get up the establishment and get over the old firm. So uh, no, no, no real concerns there. Graham, for you, anything of a concern in that? If you go down that I route... I do, however, withhold the right to change my mind if we get beat 5-0 on Tuesday. <laughs> if you're going down that route... You can hardly employ anyone within Scotland, never mind uh, with. So I think it's totally... Be okay with that, to be fair. <laughs> it's totally irrelevant. Um, that is the least of my gripes, put it that way. Yeah. And let's be honest, he certainly wouldn't be the first, you know, um, manager that we've employed who has potentially sympathies there. I mean, you know, let's look at Jimmy Caldwood, for example. Jimmy Caldwood didn't exactly hide his love for um, the team in blue at all. And it's, but it's also fair to say that Jimmy certainly wasn't shy about trying to land a bloody nose on his boyhood team. In. Well, not at all. And look through how some of our better players have been from that sort of area or have supported one or other of the gruesome twosome. So I really don't think it, I really don't think it's an issue, to be honest. Unless, like Gavin says, the 5-0 <laughs> down and he breaks out one of their shirts underneath his, uh, his training gear, then maybe it's a problem. Yeah, and Warnock has in the same interviews always said that he actually wanted to have a job in Scotland where he could have a right good go at both Celtic and Rangers. So I don't think he'd be necessarily shy about this. And then there is always, let's not forget, this absolute perler about Kevin Muscat. You know what Muscat's like? He wants to get a response. I'll tell you something, should I? Well, Muscat will not get a booking or a sending off because he's too fucking sly. He does it when nobody's looking. He's a shit yeah, he's a shit ass. Yeah, he's a shit house. We'll disagree with that at all in any shape or form. So, I mean, the biggest concern I think I've got about Warnock is probably more just around, and Gav, you touched on it a minute ago, that certainly in recent years where he's kind of been employed in this sort of manner, um, it's generally been going into teams who are really, really struggling, you know, at the, at the wrong end of the table. Um, and he's been able to kind of very quickly turn them around by making them very difficult to beat and, you know, scratching their way out of whatever bother they're in, particularly Rodman and Huddersfield are the best two examples of that recently. But generally his teams have always been ones that, and even with, you know, Sheffield United, um, when, you know, they were, were winning the championship, etc., they always were teams that expected to be out of possession for a lot of the time. It was always about being tight at the back, getting the ball at the park quickly. That type of football might be a challenge for him to get results in in Scotland for us because as we all know the majority of the teams we play against whether home and away will look to sit in against us and it's for us to break them down and that's maybe not a situation that he's been particularly used to in his career today and is he able to 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 make a team you know be able to play through a team that decides to to, to sit in like that um that's true but to counter it for uh sake of balance you do have to also look at his time at qpr and cardiff city where he went in with an expectation placed upon him to deliver results on a consistent basis and be up the top end of the table um you can't say that the team they built in qpr and the championship was a team that sat back it was you know gave a lot of uh, freedom to like satarat to be expansive free-flowing and they scored a lot of goals um same with with cardiff city you know eight promotions 
as tells a story that he, you know, he knows how to get wins, like I say, on a consistent basis against teams that will be doing the exact same thing as what a lot of teams will be doing to ourselves. And I'm sure that he knows what he's got to work with here at Aberdeen. And he's obviously seen enough that he, uh, that he can do some good things with it. So, um, I mean, we saw it last season as well, like under Bay Robson playing that kind of more, um, pragmatic, hard to beat style. It can be effective, uh, with the, with the right balance. And I think just go back to what I said earlier. Like, I don't think we're in the predicament that a number of his ex clubs have been in. There's not, much that needs to be changed like people often talk about warnock being the kind of man manager who's gonna fire up the players and get them working i think our players are working every single week i've never seen anything to suggest they're not trying i think they just need that little bit of belief from their manager and warnock will 100 at least provide them with that it's an interesting point there about you know a player like adal Turat. i think they're graham i mean warnock's probably the only manager really down south who was able to really get a consistent tune out of a player like Adel Tarat, um, a player with lots of talent, but never really, really seemed to have the work ethic to to really make it consistently. Potentially, uh, a good opportunity here for us to try and get Duke back into some sort of um, form if 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 Warnock can work his magic on a kind of man management perspective with him. If you like, Graham's so unenthused about this; it's brilliant. I I am loving this. I, I, yeah, um, I don't, and, and actually, do you know one of the things I, I really don't get and I kind of don't like is everyone's like, oh, it's going to be hilarious banter. Is that really kind of what we've become now? That yes. that's actually <laughs> a breath of fresh air and we're looking forward to that. You know, I think there's um, I think there's a big danger about this. Yeah, and that's great when it's someone else. I, I don't really like it being us. So all I will say is that I don't get it. You know, like any manager or player that arrives at the club, whether you've got a view of them in the past or not, arrives with a clean slate and if he starts getting the results, that's great. I guess my only point, I would say, um, you around, you know, the man management piece, if everyone knows that he's only here short term and some of these guys are maybe not, you know, there's other issues they, want, they maybe just want to leave or whatever it may be, I don't really think it makes any difference because I'm just thinking, if you're a player under contract and you know, oh, this guy's in for a few months, I've got the power here. The club's going to have to do something in the yeah. summer. What difference does it make? I mean, it's a pretty unprofessional attitude. So you'd hope nobody in the dressing room is of that mindset. But I just think um, the idea that someone's going to come in and all of a sudden everyone's going to be, oh, shit, I need to be on my toes and working harder. It's a nice notion, but I'm not sure it'll actually happen. The Warnick's almost like the side story to this whole situation. The The review of the football operation is what I'm particularly interested in that this does give us that time to conduct it properly thoroughly look through the entire football club and you know the wording the bbc chose to use was uh, a review of the football operation from academy to first team hopefully uh, in my view that's looking above the first team manager as well and we're going to the to the very top of this if he's the kind of guy that can come in and you know provide us with you know a basis just to like i say get ourselves in the top six be competitive, get ourselves, you know, maybe even back into Europe and, you know, um, potentially even bring us home to the Scottish Cup. That'll be all well and good. One thing I would say, though, is that I think Neil Warnock obviously is a huge, strong personality. And if he goes on a kind of run a la by Robson, is it out of the realms of possibility that he almost effectively just decides he's going to have this job full time? And then that's when this whole thing would become an issue to me. Well, which is kind of a little bit what happened with Huddersfield, isn't it? That 
he was only meant to be in there for a kind of similar idea to this, like a kind of February through the summer kind of gig, and then kept them up. And then there was the emotional attachment, obviously, with Huddersfield that he had and gets given the job. And then, you know, it's not a great start to the season. And then the Huddersfield board kind of suddenly come back to our senses again and go, hang on, wait a minute, you were only really meant to be here for three months. Um, time for you to pop off now and we'll get Dara Moore in. And then Huddersfield have had a honking season off the back of that. So it's something we need to be very careful of. Um, I guess... One thing's for sure now, and there's no getting away from it, and I think Graham's right about it. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, Warnock's obviously larger than life personality. You can even see it just by the ridiculousness of putting some of these clips in here tonight ourselves. And there's going to be a lot of attention on the club now. You can already see it tonight as well from even media outlets down south. And we have to be careful a little bit about becoming a bit of a circus, don't we? That's um, one once, of my biggest concerns. Uh, more of a circus, actually. Once again, we're already there. Yeah. And we're probably we're probably playing into it a bit tonight as well. It's fair to say. I'm, I'm not going to try and deny otherwise. But um, that said, the same token, the Aberdeen support have always been quite quick to unite around a character. Um, you know, Ali McLeod back in the day. Even you know, Eb Scovdal had relatively enduring support amongst this, the the support base, despite the results on the football pitch. I've said my piece, and ultimately, it is all about the results. So if he comes in, and the results improve, then that's all that really matters. And I'm quite happy to be saying, yeah, you know, didn't think it was going to work and it did. And that's great. But it, it can't be anything more than he's in to firefight for a little bit while everyone tries to get their act together behind the scenes. If this has, as a big if, if this has the desired effect, both on the pitch in the short term and gives the club the space to act appropriately, with a more long-term view uh, from top to bottom, then I will, at the end of the season, recognize it as being a very, very good piece of business. But yeah, there's there's a risk here, but it's not as big a risk as I've seen from some people suggesting why don't we just keep Peter leaving in place uh, in the short term. I think that would be too much of a gamble. And like I say, there's too much still to play for. And the last thing I would say is like Neil Warnock, yes, he is 75 and people concentrate on that number, but he's been consistently coaching in football up until, like you say, this season, you play all those clips from his time at Sheffield United, those are 20, 25 years old now. It's not like he's still that guy. I think he knows how to coach the modern player. So I don't have this fear that he's going to, you know, fuck off the entire squad and throw them under the bus on a weekly basis when we're losing a la, I don't know, Neil Lennon, for example. So, um, yeah, like I say, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen here. Of course, you know, Warnock will tell you that Pep Guardiola occasionally used to call him up to get a bit of advice off of uh, off of Neil as well. So you never know. I mean, um, uh, quick question. If he does decide to wander into the dressing room on Tuesday and deliver this sort of message. That's a lot of bollocks. You've got to fucking die to get three points. Quickly, in the dressing room, who's most likely to A, respond positively to that? And who is B, going to be like, what the fuck? Duke is going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, Johnny and Shinny is probably going to be punching holes in the wall, absolutely fired up. Well, Hayes, yeah, Hayes will maybe get that. Johnny Hayes, Graham Shinny, Nicky Deb, Richard Jensen, I think, will like it. I think they will fucking love that kind of chat. And I genuinely think that if he was to say that in even the faintest direction of Shade and Morty, would wilt like spinach. Gav's right. I mean, Graham, there's still achievable targets to, to in play this season, isn't there? To avoid this being a write off. You know, fourth place is still. Ooh. At this moment in time, achievable. Um, 
which would come with the European spot, obviously. And then the Scottish Cup is still there to gun for as well. Maybe, maybe Neil Warnock decides that lifting the Scottish Cup is the perfect way to sign off on his career. Maybe. <laughs> if he does, will you be there at Hamden shouting Warnock is a wanker as he <laughs> deemed that he wants to happen? For Was that what he wants to happen at his funeral? I think it was. If that's what he wants and he wins the cup, I'm quite content to carry <laughs> out his wishes. Happy um, enough to go with that. Yep. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> indeed, indeed, we will. Last thing on this one: whoever it was at the club that leaked Neil Lennon being the favourite in order to make people more accepting of, of Colin Warnock, <laughs> Neil Warnock has played an absolute blinder, haven't they? <laughs> there is a no one at our club that smart. Stephen Gunn's just playing four-dimensional chess, Gab, and you don't know it. <laughs> Right. Um, before we move on, then let's just get a quick. Uh, I threw the voice notes open earlier on. Let's just get a quick rattle through a few who left notes today, which are primarily aimed at talking about the the, the Warnock situation. Some of them also do though, um, touch on the game yesterday, which we'll come on to talk about in a second. Here's uh, Ryan Wilson. Hi, boys. Uh, Ryan here. Appreciate all the content you've been producing recently. You've been uh, kept fucking busy, haven't you? Yes, we have. Um, I felt the performance yesterday was great. Um, first off, was pretty grim watching but you know we sort of persevered through that second half was really great it showed the quality players that we do have I've said all year we've got a pretty imbalanced squad to say the least but we do have players of quality and we do have players of quality that should be performing in this league regarding Warnock I am kind of neither here nor there for me it's part of what follows after that um, and how much time that allows the board to restructure the club and the management of the club properly. Um, the fact we got these consultants and I find it a bit embarrassing for the third biggest club in the country. Um, to me, it's just it's just setting alarm bells. Gun needs to go. Um, whether that decision is taken or not remains to be seen. But I just hope that as long as Warnock can get something out of the players and it buys us a bit of time to put in proper procedure to get in an experienced manager, um, whether that's someone from the British Isles or further abroad. I personally prefer further abroad, um, but experience is definitely necessary after Barry Robson. Um, so, I on Warnock, not sure, but not going to be one way or the other. Bob, regular contributor. Hello, gents. Uh, forgive my voice. I'm a bit full of the call, you see. Um, what I really am interested about with Warnock is the state of refereeing in England, uh, which he's he's most accustomed to. He is going to have a whale of a time up here with that shit. Which referee do you think Warnock makes cry first? I don't know, whoever he's got on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Walsh to me always looks like he's on the brink of tears anyway, so I'm going to say Nick Walsh. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Ewan. Hey guys, um, regarding Warnock uh, coming in, uh, I personally don't really think we could get anyone better with his experience and knowledge for the four-month role. Um, um, I think he's actually ideal. He could be a very divisive character or he could be a, a big uniter, um, but it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, if it all turns to shit, we already hate the guy. If it uh, If it goes well, you know, um, he'll become a hero, but then he's gone. Uh, and it gives us four months to look at what a shit show uh, the club is. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I don't really think, let's say, we could get anyone better. 
as long as we take the time to do our due diligence. If we don't, it's absolutely pointless. But uh, I'm actually encouraged um, that they're taking this step. Um, and surprised as well, because they must be costing a bit of money. But it maybe shows that they're uh, determined to get it right. Hey, thanks, lads. There we go. Just a quick snapshot. I mean, I don't think there's anything really particularly surprising in, in that from anybody. I think that probably replicates a, a lot of what most people out there are probably thinking tonight. Yeah. So on the point uh, made there by the uh, by the gentleman about the external consultancy review, um, I would tend to perhaps agree there. But at the very least, the board appear to be recognizing that they have not got things right, that they need help to put things in place. And the first part of fixing any problem is to recognize that there is a problem to begin with. Uh, for the last three years, it's felt like they've just been pretty content in what they've been doing. And it's just been a case of everything's right at the club, barring the manager. Ultimately, it's Robson, Goodwin and, and Glass that have all paid for that. Um, so hopefully, feel that, yeah, Warnock is, is one thing and the restructuring addressing the problems within the club are are the bigger issue and fingers crossed that both will marry up very nicely and in the summer we'll be in a much more healthy position right now that that part's been covered then let's move on to a more um regular format for the show then so um let's let's look at the game on saturday aberdeen won celtic won at potodri stadium on the 3rd of february 2024 in the cinch Dave Cormack choosing to upgrade his package on Peter Levin and Scott Anderson from the interim training ground coaches to a one-game deal with options, which meant that the former Dinamo Brest assistant took charge of the Dons for the first time against the league leaders, Levin with four changes to Barry Robson's final starting eleven: Gartenman, Povara, Barron and Killian Phillips all starting a full debut for Phillips there with Milne. Angus McDonald, Esther Sokler, and Leighton Clarkson all dropping to the bench. Papi Habib Gagav bombed out of the matchday squad in its entirety. Shame. Don's lining up in a 4-5-1 in the first half, and it was a, let's just say it was a bit too familiar a show from us at home to Celtic. Um, us not quite getting our press right in the first half, and despite some opportunities to break on Brendan Rodgers' side, a little bit too anxious in possession. And not taking due care when opportunities present themselves. Settler thought they had the lead on seven minutes when a direct ball over the top Frank Kyogo. And whilst Jensen did well to block him, his clearance fell to Abda, whose effort was eventually stopped by Roos with Palma there to roll home from an offside position, which was eventually confirmed by VAR, despite it being crystal clear to anybody with a pair of eyes that that was indeed offside. Uh, Celtic continued to control the game throughout the first half. Uh, I felt we were probably a little bit guilty of sitting off a bit too much Palma. And then Paul Bernard hitting the bar prior to halftime as Aberdeen went in level at the break. That was, incidentally, for the first time a Celtic side led by Rodgers have failed to score in the first half at Pitodri. Well, if that's not a win, then I don't know what is. Absolutely. Into the second half, it was an invigorated Don side that reappeared. Uh, Aberdeen managing to press much more effectively. Phillips, it looked like being encouraged in particular to maybe press a little bit more frequently from a higher position. And the Dons took the lead on 50 minutes, Barron doing well to win the ball, and the ball eventually dropping for Polvara, who played an inch-perfect pass for Miofsky in the channel. And the North Macedonian striker drove forward before bending another class finish around Hart to give Aberdeen the lead. And Rocky, lucky not to be sent off after a foul on Miofsky on the main stand side, that somehow 
Saw the Celtic centre-half avoiding a second booking. Miofsky also in the midst of that somehow booked for his protests. McGrath and Shinny with efforts blocked before a barren corner caused chaos in the Celtic box as Aberdeen looked to turn the screw. Killing Phillips off for Clarkson on 62 minutes. A Celtic level just two minutes later. Kuhn running across the box and the ball eventually breaking for him and his shot was deflected off Devlin past Roos. Shinny should have scored on 71 minutes, played in by Hart, uh, by Clarkson, but denied by Hart when it looked harder to miss. That said, it looked as though referee Steve McLean was going to pull it back for Phil McGregor in the build-up. Duke on for Povara after that. Miofsky had the ball in the net again on 85 minutes, but he was adjudged to have been marginally offside. And that was it. 1-1 it finished. It's fair to say, a real game of two halves. This one, possession front, 29% for Aberdeen to 71% for the uh, for the opponents. Shots, 7-22 to 22 in favour of Celtic. Shots on target, though, 3-4. to four. Expected goals, 1.22 for Aberdeen to 2.04 for Celtic. So, gents, a point taken against the league leaders after what has been another week of turmoil at the club. And it's fair to say that we're probably unlucky not to take all three. Um, I, I would suggest that on the balance of the entire game, that's perhaps hyperbole says that we're unlucky not to win the game. I think we're extremely lucky to not be a couple of goals down at halftime, given the, the balance of the game and the chances that Celtic missed out on. Uh, but if you take it just purely on the second half showing when we have that bit more belief and we get that bit closer to them and start attacking them with a lot more intent, then, you know, we created a number of chances that on another day, could certainly have uh, left with with all three points. I mean, a much a much better performance than I'd expected. Uh, went into this game with very little in the way of confidence, and especially when they came out for the second half, the players really impressed me. Graham, you had to basically psych yourself up outside Petodre to to enter through the turnstile. Um, did you leave feeling in the same way that you know that was a better performance than you were expecting, and um, we could have won another day won that game. Much better performance than I was expecting. First half, well, that was probably still better than I was expecting because it was nil-nil. Um, rode our luck a little bit with them hitting the bar a couple of times. The second half, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed what we were trying to do. It was working. Obviously, the goal is excellent. Um, a little unfortunate with the way their goal goes. And, you know, like, I know what Gav saying over, over the course of the game, it's probably a little bit unreasonable to say that we could have won it. But then you look at that Shenny chance, you just think that, how on earth is that not going? Um, so in that, the second half was really, really good. I, I enjoyed that. And again, we mentioned earlier, throughout all of this, you know, people talking about getting others, Warnock or me to get the team organised and working together. I don't, I've never seen a team that doesn't look like they don't care or they're not working for each other. I think we've had some poor performances, don't get me wrong. But I've never felt like, nah, these guys are just mercenaries. They've chucked it. They don't care. I, I've never seen that. And second half in particular, I think, showed that I think you've got a team that is playing for each other. And I feel like any anyone who comes in has got half half a chance of achieving something because there's some good players there and they clearly look like they just needed a probably better direction and maybe a bit more sort of confidence built up within the team. So second half was encouraging. Um, and I think point, given our... Well, points a decent result probably anyway, but we've had some pretty woeful results and performances against them at home. So it was nice to get something out of that. And I just, I guess it takes a little bit of the heat out of the situation as well around the club. I mean, if we'd got scudded, even though you've got the new guy there, you can't really pick on him. It just continues that malaise, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Gav, um, perhaps a little bit surprised with the number of changes in the starting lineup from Levine. Uh, Levin. I thought you called him Levine there. Le- Levin. <laughs> um, not necessarily. I think I mentioned in the build-up that I expected us to probably pack the midfield out. And I think the best combination of our players will, for that role, involve Dante Polvara and, and Connor Barron. Um, perhaps maybe a little bit surprised that Phillips came in and Clarkson dropped out. Obviously, Clarkson's one of the bigger names in the team and it's a pretty bold move for the an interim coach to come in and, and drop him probably as much for a you know a tactical reason um i think phillips has will offer more in the way of kind of running um and pressing than than maybe clarkson will just based on his size and athleticism so that was a tiny bit of a surprise um otherwise you know garman as soon as you know that he's available again i think that's always going to come in and feature and that obviously lets Nikki Devlin move to right back once more. So um yeah, not on the whole, but I think mean, yeah, if there was one surprise it would be Phillips coming in for, for Leighton Clarkson. First half, Graham, I must admit I was having some flashbacks to the Goodwin Celtic game at Petology where we were so kind of passive and we looked entirely happy to get a nil-nil draw. But in fairness, whatever Levin said at half time definitely did the trick. We suddenly looked a lot more aggressive in the faces of Celtic and it did the job. Yeah, I was thinking actually back to the first half, although we weren't really in the game, I think Povara in particular had a couple of good chances to maybe play, presumably Miofsky, and a couple of opportunities where he could have played what looked like a relatively straightforward pass and someone was in with a chance of a shot and it didn't come off. But yeah, in the second half, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if the tactics had been, look, let's just try and be in the game at halftime. And then he decided, I don't know, but it was rare to see such a change a positive change in a in an Aberdeen side where we just looked like it's almost like a different bunch of players wasn't it who just decided okay it's Celtic but they're not really that much better than us let's just go and cause them some problems and I feel like it doesn't really matter even the best players okay there's a few exceptions where you can't really get to them but for most players even very good players if you don't give them time on the ball they will start to make mistakes and we saw that these uh, Celtic defenders are not as confident on the ball as they maybe were in that sort of first Rogers era. You know, we saw moments where we pressed them and they're they're panicking, misplaced passes, they're shelling it. And it just made it just feels like it made such a big difference because it didn't allow them to just build that constant wave after wave of pressure. Um and that allowed us to I feel like that allowed us to show them that we can we can hurt them. And I guess we'll come on to it. But that the pass from Povara I've watched that so many times out in the finishes ace, but I love just that pass is just absolutely spot on. He obviously doesn't even have to check his run or anything. It's just exactly where you would want it. It's a strange one because I agree with that. And I think I saw on the pitch at times that players were, you know, we were very frantic in possession whenever we we did get it. And you saw, you know, Gartman and I think Devlin were especially guilty of just, you know, first thought in their head is just hitting it as long as possible. And I remember seeing Baron sort of have a little bit of a go at Devlin about that at one point. And I think you can see that there's maybe obviously a lack of confidence and that's understandable given our predicament. We've seen, like Graham's just mentioned there, Dante had a couple of chances and we've seen Dante pull off much harder passes than the ones that he wasn't able to make. And I think to Pierre Levin's credit, you have to take him at face value and what he said at halftime was simply just believe more in yourself. Um, you're good players and you can you can do this. You can be competitive, get closer to them. Um, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like there was any massive tactical change at halftime. It just felt like the players, you know, they'd had enough, there were enough crumbs of comfort from them 
in this first half. There were times when we did press um, Joe Hart, Navrotsky, and and Liam Scales. I mean, no one knows more than Aberdeen fans. Liam Scales is a good footballer when he has time on the ball. But when you start pressing him, he can get very nervous. And he's also extremely one-footed. So yeah. this is not as good a Celtic defense. This is not as good, this is not as nearly as good a Celtic team as we've known in recent years. So you can get at them. And it felt like there was more belief. And you have to have that when you've got the kind of quality we have on their team, especially up in that number nine role. We'll come and talk about that in a minute or two. Just um, I, I just can't help but look at this anyway. Paul Laurie's on Twitter tonight just asking. Aberdeen FC, if uh, Mr. Warnock would like to play golf whilst he's here, it'd be his pleasure to take him out for a game. So there we go. The, the cult of personality that is Neil Warnock is already alive and well in the Aberdeen area. Um, is, he not more, is he not more into fishing? I'd have thought so. Who knows? Anyway, there we go. One of the things that was interesting, I thought as well, about the game on uh, Saturday, uh, perhaps some of this can be put down to the fact we were playing uh, Celtic and therefore there's perhaps an argument that it's easier in a way to set your team up to be structured and and, and defensive minded and, and be that way inclined. But if you look at our um, average position map for the game on Saturday and compare it to the one from the game against Dundee on Tuesday, you can just see a much clearer structure and clearer shape and clearer defined roles for everybody in that team which is something you know the, the, the structure on Tuesday night was just all over the fucking place leaving perhaps deserves a little bit of credit there as well for maybe I don't know maybe just try to make it very simple for the for the team on Saturday and, and the way that we set up and just yeah I don't know it's, it's an interesting piece just that a guy who's you know very 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 inexperienced at that level as you know Robson wasn't obviously the most experienced of managers either but he got the team set up pretty much spot on it's fair to say yeah, I mean, to be fair, he had a blueprint in place from some of our better performances this season have been against, That's you fair. know, yeah. quote-unquote better teams. And we've obviously worked on that structure. And, you know, we've been competitive with Frankfurt and Pauk and, you know, beating Rangers at, at Ibrox, um, playing that kind of way. So I'm not necessarily surprised. And I, I don't, I'm not surprised the players stuck to their task. So I think they've, generally speaking, done that. It's just been the... The information, the instructions has not been has not been suitable and let them express themselves in the way that we we know they can. Um, I guess Dundee is perhaps an example of, you know, desperation. Um, you know, players you know, just, you know, there's not much you can do when obviously the instruction is just to get the ball long. Um, and midfielders are just looking to get the ball moving into positions that are perhaps not favorable for them, but just so desperate. Um, but you know, regardless, Peter Levin, yeah, he does deserve credit for just keeping them, keeping them focused. And like I said, I think they I think you're probably right with that word, like just making things simple and, you know, stick to your task. And it felt like everyone understood, even Killian Phillips, who's still relatively new in the door, understood what his role was. And that's, I was impressed with him. Uh, it didn't sound like that's something he had in his locker to be that kind of energetic trigger for the press, but I think he was instrumental in some of the better stuff that we did in the game. This is way too positive. So let's have a look at some of the negatives I thought that did come out of the game, Graham. I mean, not a particularly great performance from Kel Roos, it's fair to say. Um, Kicking's getting worse on a game-by-game basis. Um, he flapped a fair few balls as well. Lucky that we didn't concede from at least one of those. Um, a player who is kind of regressing a little bit at this moment in time. Yes. I wouldn't say he's... 
wouldn't say he's a fundamental reason for where we find ourselves, but he's nowhere, I don't think he's really performing at the level that is required to be the goalkeeper for Aberdeen. And actually even the level that he has demonstrated that he can do in that sort of, you know, second half of last season or tail end, it was okay, he didn't come and command his box the way I would have liked him to, but clearly that's not his style, but everything else was much improved. And yes, I mean, some of his kicking's just... You all laughed at Jamie at that level. <laughs> well, take it all back. Um, but it's some of his kicking making, it's kicking making, it's kicking, and then his decision making. You know, like Miofsky makes a run, and Roos is, you know, fanning around with the ball, looking around, shoving everyone at the pitch. And then other time, and he just duffs it to a Celtic player. Um, and some of the flapping around, yeah, not, not one of his finest games. And I kind of feel like, you know, if you don't really know what your keeper's going to do, that surely must just unsettle the defence. Because I think if you get into a routine, we all sort of trust each other. And you know, generally speaking, who's going to come for a certain type of ball. You can, I just feel like you work better as a unit. Whereas if you're looking at, well, the keeper's going to come out. There's even one, it wasn't a ball into the box or such. It was just a, a ball over the top, a race between, I can't remember who it was and defender. And you're like, Roos, just come out and deal with that. Doesn't. You know, we, we concede the throw-in. Little bits and pieces of that. I didn't think it was a particularly great game for him. Come on, Gav. The biggest frustration for me, I'm going to try to stay level-headed here. I think I, I think I got I think I got uh, ahead of myself on, on Saturday watching the game, so got it out of my system. Um, I think, like, I've said this before, the biggest frustration for me with Kel Roos is that if you were to build the ideal goalkeeper from the ground up, physically speaking, he will look something like Kel Roos. He has all the attributes in the world to be a very, very good goalkeeper. And it's just not there. Um, six months apart, uh, I think his time at Aberdeen has has been pretty underwhelming. And I don't think he'll be a big loss if and when he leaves in the summer. And um, like Graham says there, like there's understanding your goalkeeper's not going to come for crosses, but simple things. Like I was just going to bring up that exact example of the ball over the top where it, just come and take it. Um, the the punch that leads to Paul Bernard trying to lob him is shocking. That's shocking stuff for a professional goalkeeper. He comes to punch it, he can come and claim it easily. There is no excuse for it. And he's playing us in the danger a lot of times with his um, with his distribution, if we want to call it that. You know, don't think he has any chance with the goal, obviously. But, you know, there's been too many goals conceded this season alone. And if we had anything resembling competition for him, then I think he'd be out of the team. Is that maybe part of the question? I mean, we saw Kel Reese for me was last season. His best spell came after he returned from injury when he had competition in the form of Jay Horter kicking about. Is that possibly part of the problem, do you think? That there's a level of complacency there around his, his place in the team. What are you saying about Roscoe? <laughs> well, well, maybe not very good. Yikes. Yeah, maybe, well, I guess you never know what's going on off the field, but maybe there is some competition required or, or I don't know, something's not quite right, is it? But I think he has demonstrated that, that he he's a better goalkeeper than we're seeing at the moment. Um, I think that perhaps last season in the second half when he came back from injury, he, along with the entire team, had a little purple patch. But the reality is that he's maybe 
not a particularly good goalkeeper, uh, as was indicated to us by the Derby County fans that we spoke to beforehand. And um, yeah, I think we can do a whole lot better if we choose to look that way. Moving on as well, just in the first half, especially, I thought we looked a little bit shaky again in the centre of defence. Um, Gartenman in particular, maybe you can excuse it. He obviously had just come back from injury, looked a little bit shaky, was kind of caught on the ball a few times. We looked vulnerable to the ball over the top. Indeed, the, the disallowed goal for the offside comes from a really direct ball just up and over the top of the defence, which you'd kind of expect to be meeting potatoes for most teams in the top flight in Scotland. Um, a little bit of a concern there, the Gartenman Jensen pairing at centre half. There's not. Said, huge... I, th- I thought second half they were better. There's not a huge amount of pace, I would say, amongst that back four. Um, regardless, if you're if you're being honest, uh, especially against Celtic with you know Kyogo and Palma and was it Abara on the right side? Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely getting caught out a few times. Um, you know, Gartenman Jensen for me, the you know the jury's still out on on both of them. And I think maybe concerned about their physicality, um, both with a pacey player and perhaps a more powerful uh, striker that you typically find in Scotland. But they did seem to uh, cope a lot better in the second half. I mean, talk about Garman there. It's a crucial block from O'Reilly onto the post that stops it from becoming, I think, 1-0 or 2-1 at that point. I can't quite remember. Um, yeah, maybe the balance is not quite there. Um, and yeah, their distribution is fucking awful. <laughs> That's 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 an, that's another part of it. First half as well, felt like we never really got our pressing right at all. In the midfield, the area looked quite anonymous, despite us having five semi midfielders on the park. Every time the ball dropped the midfield area, Graham, I think you and I spoke about it in the first half or at halftime. Settle players just seem to have acres of space to play in, which was a little bit disappointing. But we touched on it earlier on then. Second half, much, much better. I think a little tweak from leaving, allowing Phillips to play slightly further advanced, and we suddenly looked much better for it. We were kind of hunting in packs not giving Celtic a moment of peace in the ball. And we get our rewards with the goal. Barron does really well to nick the ball. Povara with a great pass. We touched it either on and well. It feels like all we've been doing this season, apart from moaning about the manager, is extolling the virtues of Boyamiowski. And what more can we say about him? That's 19 goals for the season now in all competitions. Another example of the different types of goals that he can score. And let's be honest, he is the best in the league, isn't he? 100%. And what I loved about this goal is that, you know, you talk about Baron winning the ball back and Dante beating his man, you know, a perfectly weighted pass. But even at that point, Boyan's got a lot to do. And this is not a goal that Boyanowski scores when he first drives at Aberdeen, driving at a defender, the little step over, the little drop of the shoulder. And once he gets that little yard of space on his left foot, you know there's only one place this ball's going. What I would also like to do is give credit to Phillips because the run that he makes distracts Liam Scales enough to take him away from Miofsky and in turn gives him just that little extra yard so that he can get past Navrovsky and, and curl it in. Um, yeah, a, a brilliant goal from a brilliant player. There's nothing more I need to say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I have to be honest, when he receives the ball from Pulvara and he started running at the defenders, I'm looking at Phillips thinking, looks like Miofsky's going to run out of steam here a little bit but that's great because he's now got you know, he's got a pass to play but I suppose what I don't realise is he's just basically pushing the defender back until he's close enough to goal and then it's just what a great little shimmy and that there's nothing I don't think there's anything sweeter than a left foot shot just bent into the net just so satisfying and I, and I think that's where obviously it's a great pass but then he 
you know, he does that all himself. And I think Gav's right. I'm not sure he would have, maybe he wouldn't have had the, the confidence to try that originally. But I mean, that's where, you know, just enjoy him while he's here. Um, not everyone is capable of scoring a goal like that. But I think the run from Phillips is excellent as well, because not only could it have actually served as a genuine option, depending on, you know, maybe if the defender had uh, slowed me off scale up a little bit more, I think you're right, it just means that they can't double up on him. Um, so really, really good desire to get up and support. And yeah, what a sweet finish. I've watched that several times from several angles. Talk about Killian Phillips as well. Uh, first start for him, yes. I thought on the whole he was excellent in the main. Um, good pace about him, rangy, closing down players. Went with an audacious attempt at lobbing Joe Hart because he was absolutely goosed. Um, a good full debut for Killian Phillips. Certainly looks to have given us a, a slightly different option there in the centre of the park. I mean, it, it was a signing that was a little bit underwhelmed because I didn't really feel that the centre midfield was where we needed to address things, but... Fair play to him, came in. Decent job. Yep, would completely agree. Um, I thought that when we signed him, the kind of chat appeared to be that he was more of a sort of kind of like a Clarkson or a Dante Bovara type, um, kind of try and be a playmaker, not necessarily get involved too much in the physical side of the game. But what you see is that he's you know, he's taller than, than I realised that he was and he's got a bit more pace about him and... You know, he was getting himself around that pitch for the 60 minutes, doing at times what's a thankless job. And he seemed to be doing it with, with no complaints, being competitive. And when he did get himself on the ball, you know, it looks like he's got a little bit about him. So um, definitely a, a good option to have in the team now. And at this point, yeah, I mean, new signings should provoke uh, excitement. And I think his one, just with the nature of it, um, <laughs> left us all kind of scratching our heads and felt bad for the guy at the time but with that performance I think he's earned himself a few fans uh, in Aberdeen Graham impressed with Killian Phillips and you had a, a decent home debut first team debut after the first couple of minutes where he gave the ball to a Celtic player and then gave a free <laughs> kick away in the edge of the box thinking oh this might be a short debut for you uh, yeah I thought he was decent like I've said he's probably more of a physical presence than I thought he had I thought he did I thought he did quite well all things considered yeah, I thought I think it did make a difference in the, the second half where it looked like he was being encouraged to break forward and and press, and that that definitely did uh, that definitely did pay off for us. So yeah, it's only one one hour's worth of football. I was underwhelmed as well, to be honest. But you know, sometimes it's the ones that you're like, Ugh, why do we need him or what's this all about? That actually turn out to be to be pretty good. So I mean, it's a decent start, and I kind of. I was going to say it looks like we might see more of him, but I suppose depending on if when the coaching changes, maybe not. Well, he's quite tall, so I imagine uh, I imagine Neil would like that. I think he might like that, absolutely. Graeme Shinney, um, a pretty poor first half, I thought. Miles, miles better in the second half, much more like the Graeme Shinney that we uh, used to know. Should have scored, though. I don't understand how he's not scored that. <laughs> yeah, and I understand that McLean's perhaps suggested to him that he was going to call it as a foul, but you still give VAR a decision to make there. And I mean, for me, I've watched it back in. I don't think there's a foul, personally speaking. So you never I know what's going to come there. I don't you know it would have been given. I think VAR would have given it, though. Well, I mean, all of that is irrelevant. That's not a reason to yeah, yeah. not I guess, finish that. I guess they would have needed to overturn his decision, but... Um, give them the uh, decision to make um, I guess it just ball just fell to the 
one of the worst people it could have fallen to in uh, in the belly box, especially on his right foot. But I mean, he should still be finishing it. But contrary to the positives, yeah, I thought in the second half he played like a man possessed, like you know the Graham Shinney that we that we've all come to know and love. And hopefully, um, I'm sure that he's the kind of character that Neil Warnock will be 100% in favour of having in and around his team. And hopefully, he can just simplify his game a little bit as well. Um, just convince him that he doesn't need to be trying to cover every single blade of grass. Um, just, you know, screen that defense and you've got talented players around you with a lot of energy. Um, you know, McGrath, Danny Polvara, and now Killian Phillips Did as you well. just... Hang on. Talented players around you and then you opened up with McGrath? Yeah, yeah, Graham. I, I caught the shade you were saying there about Phillips being an underwhelming signing that just comes and sh- shows you <laughs> up. Yeah, I caught that. Um... <laughs> I've acknowledged it. I acknowledge Jamie McGrath. For one. I know, but still, I like to put the boot in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Quite yeah. right. Although he was a bit honking in the first half, but anyway. <laughs> that is actually fair. <laughs> ignoring that point. Um, yeah, um, much more like Shinny that we know. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a leader and he can drive us forward if he's uh, on his game. Baron, Connor Baron. So we managed to get through the January transfer window without him leaving uh, and so far hasn't signed a pre-contract anywhere else at this moment in time. We've got a handful of months left to try to keep Connor Barron. Um, <laughs> to think that Barry Robson thought he couldn't play full 90 minutes. Quite small. How do you think Neil's going to approach him? I think he might like him. A little tenacious. Yeah. yeah. A, little a, little, a little pit bull. Yeah. 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 I bet Neil Warren's got a pit bull. An XL bully. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's come to Scotland. Not outlawed. Not, not allowed anymore. Not not anymore. Um, There's no way he had an XL bully in that carry on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Connor Barron's class. That's 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 <laughs> it. Simple, it's as, simple that. as that, really. Um, and it's it boggles the mind how we've not, how he's not got well over excess of 100 games for Aberdeen yet. Um, and just the way that. Robson and and Goodwin have chosen to use him more, I guess, not use him more to the point. Uh, very good performance. Um, the one player I thought in the first half that was just trying to get the ball down and play and yeah. show what it was all about against, you know, like I say, Celtic are nowhere near the level they once were, but they're still the champions. And he was the one that tried to show that, you know, he had it in his locker to to match up to them or even be better than them. Against the team he might like to move to in the summer. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, the one thing I would probably temper about yesterday is that we've seen, and Gav, you touched on this earlier on, we've seen plenty of evidence this season that we're actually quite adept at playing in games like that where we're out of possession for large chunks of the game and that we can look a decent team on the counter-attack. The key question now for the squad and for Neil Warnock, and I touched on it earlier on, is how do we approach those games where we will be the team in possession where we have to break down other teams you know once we get Tuesday night out of the way we have a run to the split now where Hibs at home are effectively the only you know traditional big team if you want to put it that way that we we, we face between now and the end of the season most other teams will play against perhaps with the exception of Dundee away will probably sit in against us. And that's something we've struggled with all season. Yeah, and I, I heard um, Graham's favourite Rangers-based pundit talking about this on, on Sky Sports as Russell Anderson sat very quietly just thinking about that money depositing into his bank account. 
um talking about the run that we have uh once we get rangers done then we're we've played celtic three times hearts three times uh rangers three times obviously that run is going to still include sitting there in a way and kilmarnock away so that's by no means going to be easy no but those teams don't tend even at home they don't tend to come out and play against us yeah very true um i think just it's it's kind of goes back to what Peter Levin spoke about. It's just about having more belief in the talent that we have in the team. Um, it's all there for us all to see. And we, in part, that's going to be having to knock out the long ball part of our game that has become mostly um, ingrained in, especially Gartman, Jensen, and Nicky Devlin, especially uh, to shell the ball long. Um, you know, it's it's not as easy as you make out, but it's about just giving the players that we have the the infrastructure to go and express themselves and show what they can do that extends to the 11 that were on the pitch yesterday and you know if Neil Warnock can come in and revitalize Duke then we'll have a couple of really you know great weapons at our disposal there not Kelrus's feet yeah he never specified what weapons he had with that no he never did that's fair to say right Graham let's let's finish this one off um your man of the match yesterday at Pitodry uh, I think that's quite difficult, but I'm going to go down the sponsor's route of Mielski because he scored. You're such a corporate whore. You really are. Yep. <laughs> Gav. <a> point caller. <laughs> uh, Sky Sports gave Man of the Match to Graham Shinney. They and did. for the second half points, I can see why they did it. But um, for myself, I will tend to agree with Graham Steele on this one. Uh an unbelievable goal from an unbelievable striker. So Boyan Mielski's my man of the match. Yeah, I can't disagree with either, to be fair. I actually thought as well outside the goal, I thought he did really well as the lone striker all game. Yes, he he had a... It's, yeah, it's not like he had the, the goal and then wasn't in the game before or after. Um, I think he did. And I think he's getting better. He really at, is. Yeah. At that role as well. Um, so I think he did... Yeah, he did a good job all round and then... It's difficult not to look past that goal. It really is. It really is. Right. Let's move on quickly on to uh, Lone Watch. So no game for Park this this weekend. So Kieran Nguyenia with another week off. Uh, Alfie Babbage at Kelty Hearts. Our first senior hat-trick for Alfie as Kelty Hearts won 3-0 at Edinburgh City. That Edinburgh City side also featuring Finlay Marshall getting another 90 minutes under his belt. Uh, Blair McKenzie was an unused sub as Elgin beat East Fife by a goal to nil in League 2. Massive result that one there. Uh, allows Elgin just to stretch a little bit further away from Clyde at the bottom of League 2 as well. Dylan Lobbin uh, started and lasted 76 minutes as 4th Athletic beat Spartans 1-0 in League 2. Alfie Stewart came off the bench with 20 minutes to go with Peter Head, grabbed the last gasp equaliser at Clyde in League 2 as well. Aaron Reid and Adam Emsley for Martin United. A start for Aaron Reid. Adam Emsley missing out entirely on the trip to Tarrato. Reid with another goal was for Martin, won at 2-1 with a penalty from Exton. Jonathan Crawford in the 8th minute of added time. Finley Murray, uh, he had a start and another 90 minutes in that aforementioned 2-1 defeat, 2-4 Martin. Kev Hanrati at Bucky Thistle, I've got literally no idea. I can't find a starting lineup anywhere for this one. Graham, can you use your contacts in the Bucky area to get them to sort the shite out as Bucky were beating 3-0 by Nairn, I think it was, off the top of my head. Can you do that for me, Graham? Noted. Thank you. Brendan Hamilton at Banks of D, a first start for him, as Banks of D beat Keith by two goals to nil in the Hill League. Jaden Richardson 
Colchester United. A full 90 minutes for him as Colchester drew 3-3 with Forest Green Rovers in League 2. Uh, big Tony Stewart not in the squad again as the Dons of a Milton Keynes variety were beaten by a goal to nil by Dean Campbell's Barrow. And then Vicente Bajaran played 77 minutes as Emin drew 1-1 with FC Eindhoven in the Dutch Erste Divisie. On to the Quines, defeat for them in the Scottish Cup fourth round as they went down by two goals to one at the Spartans. The Dons getting themselves level on 77 minutes after falling behind to a McCarthy goal on 64. But Galbraith's goal with just seven minutes remaining means that the Quines drop out of the cup. Next up for them, Montrose visit the Bomb Moral on Wednesday. Well, that'll do us for the first half. Thank you. Join us after break where we will talk about Rangers on Tuesday evening. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Doan Co. on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Enjoy freshly topped donuts, coffee, milkshakes, soup, pies, bagels and much, much more available every day of the week. Come along and enjoy their daily deals such as black coffee and a mini donut for just £1 or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver. Join the guys seven days a week on Belmont Street between 8 and 8 and available 24-7 at yourdonutshop.com. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Uh, before we come on to talk about the game at Ibrox on Tuesday evening, just a quick reminder that we have an incredible once-in-a-lifetime raffle, fundraising raffle opportunity for anybody out there who wants to put their money where their mouth is. Two individual spaces up for grabs for a training session, a private training session at Cormac Park, led by the one and only Neil Simpson, and you get to join the three of us making complete tits for ourselves during it as well. And if we can, we might even get it filmed. So what more do you want off the back of this? Um, if you'd like to enter 50-50 uh, distribution of the proceeds from this raffle, 50% to the AFC Community Trust, 50% to the Gothenburg Greats Legacy Fund, £10 an entry if you'd like to enter, please email us at abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. We'll close this one, or entries, at the end of the week. Uh, so yeah, if you want to join in, please drop us a note. Let's say 10 quid. Great opportunity to also to uh, help raise some funds for, for two well worthwhile charities and like I say, a chance to join ourselves and Neil Simpson for a session at Cormac Park. Lovely stuff indeed. Also, uh, depending on what time it is, I mean, Neil Warnock could be looking for some talent. He could be. This is true. Absolutely. Which one of the three do you think he would like in terms of a, a style? Who Who's going to get snapped up by Warnock? After the bile you've been dishing at Graham, probably not you. <clears throat> well, you're wearing an Alice band, so that's you. Uh, Gary can't run, so I still think it might be me. It'll be me. Kicking what people. Are you basing that fair on? point. Fair point. Well made. Kicking people. Well, you do like to do that unnecessarily. Miss, missing yeah. backheel tackles doesn't constitute <laughs> kicking people. Why is our fucking midfield just being run over? Well, the thing because is, our defensive mid is trying to backheel tackle everyone <laughs> and can't do it. The thing is, right? Looking at it seriously, Gav is a liability, right? You saw it in Helsinki. Yep, absolute loose cannon. Right, and Graham, you have your moments as well. So if anyone enjoys anything but enjoys it by being fucking disciplined. <laughs> by being a pussy at it, I guess that would be you, yeah. It's definitely me. So 
I don't there we think go. if you're out with Warnock in the team and after a couple of pints, you're bailing out, I don't think you'll ever get invited back. <laughs> I was enjoying it by being fucking disciplined, Graham. <laughs> That's all there is to say about it. Anyway, <laughs> let's um, let's move on. Let, let's let's get off that quick. Let's talk about shoes tonight because the Dons returned to Govan for the second time this season for um, what is at this moment in time likely to be Neil Warnock's debut in the Dons dugout. I am slightly disappointed this does mean that we don't get to see Neil Simpson heading up the team for a trip to Ibrox, but never mind. He could lead them out. Could just the mascot for the team. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to go football and banter club, we might as well just fucking go all in. Anyway, <laughs> um, Sevco on Tuesday will be looking to capitalise on the fact that Celtic don't play until Wednesday evening. Um, so after Saturday's results, it does mean that Sevco can go top of the table by a win by a margin of more than three goals on Tuesday night. They did have a comfortable 3 0 win against Livingston on Saturday. Gav, you're looking. No, no, just continue, continue, you're... please. No, there was a there was a a knowing glance or a smirk. So come on. I'm just so you know with the recent Edinburgh Derby, there was the chat that uh, was it Montgomery was going to get mic'd up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In my mind, I mean, if you want to just sell this game to a worldwide audience. Neil Warnock with the old Madonna mic on him. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you hear all, you see those video clips of him like on the touchline. It's like, ah, refs, giving it to them because we're in fucking London. Yeah. We're in fucking London. So they get everything. So in my mind, that's all. That's what we need to have. You say that, but what if he's like, oh, what an atmosphere? Have yeah. a great night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God <laughs> save the king. Follow, follow, follow goes up <laughs> and suddenly all you know like, he's just humming along. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, bet, I I do bet he probably does enjoy singing Royal Britannia. Yeah, I think that's probably likely to be fair. Um, <clears throat> the sides, of course, have met each other three times already this season. A famous win for the Dons Ibrox in September that saw the end of Ali McBeal. A drop tawdry in November that was the first drop points of the season for Philippe Clement, and then the heartbreaking 1-0 defeat at Hamden in the Skull Cup final. A fairly makeshift Sevco side against Livingston as Clement looked to rotate his squad with a number of games coming up for them. Uh, Clement with a, a pretty impressive, it's fair to say, 82% win rate since coming in. Only one defeat in 22 games and only three draws in that time as well. Certainly, uh, he is favouring the 4-2-3-1 that we saw them deploy at Pataudry and at Hamden, expected to be either Silva or Dessers in the number nine role. Rangers with two defeats out of 11 games at home so far. Those two defeats coming to Celtic and ourselves, as we talked about earlier on. 48 goals scored in the league. That's the second highest and only 11 conceded, which is the best defensive record in the league. Bearing in mind that four of those, so over 30%, have come at the hands of the mighty fucking dandy Dons. Uh, 35 goals from open play against an expected goals of 34.5, so they're pretty much bang on there. Five goals from set plays against an expected goals of 8.45. One from a free kick, seven penalties converted from nine awarded. Defensively, five conceded from open play against an expected goals against of 8.34, and five from set pieces against an expected goals against of 4.25. One penalty given against them so far this season, which they've conceded. And despite my predictions at the start of the season that Jack Butlin would be an absolute honking signing, it's fair to say he's done actually all right. Um, he's provided 3.9 goals so far. That's the fourth best in the league, which is probably pretty decent in fairness because they don't give up a lot of chances. Indeed, of all the goalkeepers in the league who've played every minute of their team's fixtures, he has faced the lowest number of shots 
so far, just 52 across uh, their 23 games so far. Top scorer is uh, Sima on 10, but he will be injured for this one. I'm missing Tavernier also on 10. Tavernier with five assists. Next up for them is Barisic with three, which tells you all you need to know. We highlight it every single time we play them. The wide areas and the fullbacks are such a huge area for Sevco that you have to be able to defend well against. There's certainly a, a different challenge from what we saw from Celtic under Clement uh, compared to how they were also against McBeal. While they do dominate possession, that possession is a little bit more direct. They try to get through the lines quickly, certainly compared to how we saw Celtic play at the weekend where they're a bit more side-to-side passing that can sometimes go nowhere. They will press out of possession. Their PPD of 9.6 is the second highest in the league. They've certainly been very successful so far this season in winning the ball high and converting into goals. Five goals scored so far this season from that route. It's twice as many as anyone else has managed in the league. So Tuesday night is going to be a very intriguing game, I think, um, <clears throat> all around. Live on Sky Sports. Again, it feels like it's been a long time since we've been live on Sky for a game against them at Ibrox. Obviously, a huge win for us earlier in the season, that 3-1 win, which I think came as a bit of a surprise to everybody. That was when we were really kind of coming out of that real lull at the start of the season. Um, But it was one of those performances we just talked about in the first part of the show where, again, when we're out of possession for large chunks of the game, we look decent. That repeated itself on Saturday as well. Um, But we probably do need to be wary about the fact that this is now a Rangers side who kind of out of nowhere and mainly through to Celtic's own incompetence so far, have suddenly got themselves back into the title race out of nowhere. And like I said earlier on, they can go top of the table on Tuesday night with the results. So you'd expect them to come out firing from the from the off, you'd expect. Yeah, it's, um, it's as always is, in Glasgow going to be a, a very difficult test for us, for sure. I mean, they are a completely different animal to the team we played at Ibrox early in the season under, under Michael Beale. I think for myself, you know, obviously the Neil Warnock factor is interesting, but I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of time to make much of an impact on the way we approach the game from a tactical perspective. Um, I think we'll largely see similar setup to what we played Celtic with, um, the five in the midfield and the four at the back, and then Boyamiofsky up front. Um, likewise, it'll just need a lot of concentration, a lot of discipline, and you know, being being brave both in and out of possession. Um, but um, yeah, obviously Rangers are on a good run. And I mean, what one did you say there? One defeat in twenty-two uh, yeah. since Clement's taken over there. So he's obviously got them firing all cylinders. Um, but I think you know, and this was talked about ad nauseum after the cup final. You can see even with that form, even with that um, research that they've had under him, there's still a team that you can get at if you show a little bit of belief in yourselves. Yeah. So fingers crossed, Warnock can at least instill belief in the team. We've got talented players in the 11 and on the bench as well. Uh, if we can bring a Duke on at you know, the 70-minute mark and he can get himself back up and running. But um, yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be a really hard, a hard game. Yeah, I think... If there is a new manager, yeah, question, what could you possibly do other than try and shut up shop and make us difficult to beat? Um, uh, yeah, this is a trickier Rangers to play than the one that we, we did play against. But that being said, I still think there's there's plenty in that team to cause people problems. Mayovsky is the obvious one, but if you could find a way to 
you know, you're probably not going to get Duke firing between now and Tuesday night. Um, I think there's enough to cause uh, them problems. It's just difficult to see us probably doing anything. I mean, our, our record down there is just woeful. I know we've had to win this season, but don't really think that's comparable. Different managers on both sides. And in general, we don't fare particularly well down there. So I, I think it's probably just hopefully don't don't get too bad a result. The Knox, you know, what conference might have been built up from yesterday, really. I think, like, for me, it, it goes back to what we talked about the cup final, though, again, is that I just want to see us have a team with a bit of no, you know, with no fear and let's go and have a go. You know, we did it at Ibrox early in the season. Um, Gav's right. There's still a bit of a soft centre, I think, in that Rangers centre defence in particular. When, the chan- when you get the chances, uh, and this is what we did well on Saturday afternoon, certainly in the second half, when you get the chances to get on the ball, it's about kind of being brave on the ball and, and not you know, try not to panic and not rush things and, and, you know, remember that you're decent players and try to capitalise on those situations because I think we'll get chances. Um, it's just all about showing that bit of belief, isn't it? That's that's what was really lacking about that Aberdeen performance in the cup final. Yeah, I think that um, somewhere along the lines, Barry Robson lost belief in his players and that was communicated directly or indirectly towards the team and that I think has played a massive part in him losing his job quite simply um, in recent years we've scored a number of goals against Rangers and we know that we can cause them problems we played well against them at Pataudry in in large spells beat them at Ibrox obviously and you know the cup performance was disappointing and it's disappointing because of the fact that we just didn't have the belief in ourselves that we could go on and win the game like I say, I think Graham's right. I think a new manager with limited time is going to have no chance to really make anything of a significant tactical um, change to the team. It's going to just be about getting belief in the players. And, you know, I mean, if there's one thing you'll probably say about Warnock is that he obviously motivates the team very well to then quite often go and perform above itself. And this will be no better way for him to, you know, um, convert some of the doubters out there that he's the right man for the job until the end of the season. Yep, indeed. I think, as always, whenever we play against Rangers, uh, again, I think we talk about this all the time, it's, it's keeping those fullback areas quiet, I think, isn't it? That seems to cause us the biggest challenge over and over and over again. Uh, but the stats bear it out. It's an area we really need to keep on top of. It's a massive game for the likes of Nicky Devon and Jack McKenzie. Jack McKenzie probably had, of course, his finest 90 minutes in an Aberdeen shirt at Ibrox earlier in the season. You've got to look to hope that he can repeat that. I think you need to watch the wide areas and then... Roos needs to learn to dive the right way for the inevitable penalty. <laughs> <laughs> if Tavernier misses the penalty, he tends to not hit the target. So that's actually not a problem. On that then, um, let's round things off. Predictions for Tuesday night at Ibrox. You know, I've just, I don't want to jinx this, but I realize we've just recorded for about 90 minutes and we've spoken about Neil Warnock's manager as if it's fact. Can you imagine uh, if he just turns around and says, nah, fuck this? Well, if that happens, that happens. But I think all the signs point to the fact that it's not going. To I, I mean, I, I guess I could just like edit this whole show and just make like anytime we say <laughs> Warnock, we can say like John Cena. Yeah, or just just shoehorn in the, the manager who is. It's fine, Neil Lennon. Maybe this is the absolute blinder that's been played. We're like, <laughs> oh, Warnock, oh, it's happening. It's in the BBC. We're playing sound clips. Boom, Neil Lennon tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to just drop in, just manager. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> when he takes one look at Shade and Morris and says, nah, no, 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 no. <laughs> fucking kidding me, lads. Um, 1-1. One, one. Oh, Rangers will go 1-0 up courtesy of a James Tavernier penalty and we will score a late, late equaliser from a set piece. Warnock will be, I don't know if running is the right word, at 75, but he'll be uh, pacing along the touchline, giving it fucking Laldi to the uh, to the Rangers supporters <laughs> and we'll all just be in heaven. Graham? I was also going to say 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go with Desmond, 2-2. Two, two. I don't know why, but I'm going to say 2-2 two, two draw. Um, let's see what happens. Right, that'll do us. I think that that will that wrap us up tonight. I would say so. I think though it's only fair if we're going to wrap this one up. I think we should wrap up with one final Neil, Neil Warnock anecdote. What do you think? Let's go for it. I do like this one. To be fair, I think this is quite a funny story. Regardless, so let's just go with this one. And I promise this will be the last time we ever do this. They said there's a bowling alley because quick as a flash, I said, well, why don't we go and have a game? Let's have a day bowling instead of training. We don't need to train today. Weather's not so good. Let's chuck, what about 20 quid each? Well, they all, you know, yeah, we'll put 20 quid in each. So they all did it. And because I had my own ball in, in the boot of my car and my, my gloves and my shoes and all that lot. And so we went to this bowling alley and I shot, I think it was 240. I did really good game. About six or seven strikes I had and excelled. And the lads were gutted. You know, nobody told them that I actually worked in a bowling alley. <laughs> there we go. So Cadona's waiting for you this week. Shishi Momo is a way to get absolutely rinsed by Neil Warner at Cadona's this week. Well, unless he listens to this. <laughs> Indeed, maybe in which case you're like nah it's alright Neil I'm busy I don't really like betting on bowling <laughs> team bonding session Ruby Papi Gay a fucking lot of them oh. lane, lane 7 well I'll, I'll be there I'm in Warnick's going to be so gutted that Ruby's out for the entire time he's going to be here Can you, I'd love to watch like, so the bowling style like Ruby just clearing <laughs> every lane out with his head <laughs> and then you've got Miofsky just putting a wee bit of bend on it Right, left, yeah. somehow a bit of backspin, you know, just to get the right, uh, the right pace. That Lovely stuff. Who do you think in our team would just fucking just go hell for leather, just throw it as hard as they can? Well, Rubizic, presumably. Ah, Rubizic just well, diving head first. Doesn't even need a ball. Yeah, you might be right. Just slides down the the lane. Um, game shinny. Richard Jensen, I fancy would go with the just brute force approach. I reckon Pabby Gay. I reckon Papi Gay. I think he's struggled to get Happy Gay away from the bar. <laughs> well, from the casino anyway. <laughs> there are <laughs> lane, lane the seven little, is just around the corner. The Cadona's little two P machines. <laughs> just, just sit there. Just anyway, just sit right. there, just bumping into them nonstop for three hours. <laughs> right, we're probably getting to dangerous territory here, so it's probably a good time. To, uh, Allegedly, up. Okay, absolutely. So that's going to wrap us up for. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Join us next time for episode 155, where we will talk probably more about Neil Warnock, I imagine, and we'll review the game at Ibrox on Tuesday night, and then we will preview the Scottish Cup fifth round tie with Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic on Saturday as Neil Warnock presumably makes his home Pataudry debut. Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free.
This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!